Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn, Senior Pastor at Living Faith in Yoder, Indiana. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you got your Bibles, let's open to the book of Isaiah. You know, I don't know about you, but um, I like to I like to have things under control. I like to to know that I have I understand what's going on and I can deal with everything. I like to have it in front of me, and I like to know that I can influence some things. And you know, because because when, when we see where things are going, and and when they seem to be going to according to what we have planned, we get this comfort feeling. No, we, 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 we can we take a breath. Okay, things are going the way I want them to do. That didn't happen this morning, by the way. <laughs> Did not happen the way I expected it this morning. And it's usually my fault because I don't plan ahead. I don't plan to do things ahead of time. But we had a few little snafus this morning. But, you know, I normally like to think that I've got, I've got things under control. You know, I know about you, but there are a lot of times when, I'll, when I, I've got something I need to do and something's happening, what I'll do is I'll, like, work it out in my head. I know exactly what I'm going to say. I know exactly how that person's going to respond. I know exactly how everything is going to work out. Never works out the way I plan it. Never does. It doesn't exactly work out the way I expect. And see, in that, we have uncertainty. And what happens to us is when we have uncertainty, we get anxiety. We like to think we have everything under control, everything is working fine. But see, what happens is is when we begin to see that we, we don't have control and we start to get anxious about it, then we start worrying about whether or not we really have anything under control. And we're afraid we're going to lose what we do have under control. So much of our lives are full of things that we cannot rely on. And the reality is that very little in our lives is actually reliable. Your your car is going to let you down one day. Unless you sell it before it starts breaking down. But your vehicles are going to let you down. Your house is going to need repairs. Your children are not going to be those perfect children that you thought they were when you were holding them in your arms. People are going to break promises. And I know this may be a shock to you, but politicians are going to lie to get into office. If we've learned anything in the last two years of this mayhem that we've experienced is that you and I are not in control of this world. We attempt to base our lives on things that we know that we think are consistent, but in reality, nothing is consistent except for inconsistency. I mean, it's no wonder after the fear of COVID, the totalitarian lockdowns, the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates it's it's no wonder we 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 have a it's no wonder that we have a, a and actually a pandemic of anxiety in our culture today suicides are up 
depression is, is, is rampant, even amongst the very young. In our, in our inability to control the world, we have created a lot of anxious and depressed and suicidal people. Psychological issues are going to plague us for years to come. But you see, the Bible tells us that in reality there's only one thing that we can rely upon. Only one. And while our lives are continually changing, while, while it seems that so many times, you know, sometimes we think our lives are, are just going fine, and all of a sudden now they're in flux, and it's just, it changes. Things seem unstable at times. We can always cling to the certainty of a strong tower, of an anchor that we have, which is God, Yahweh, the Father, the immutable God. And and this term immutable is an interesting word because it, it means that God does not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no changing in God. He's constant. He is faithful. If we go to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 7, verse 9, says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. See, what, what God says he will do, he will do. I, I like people who say they're going to do something and then do it. I'm trying to teach my kids that. It doesn't always happen. And it's not their fault. They're young. Caleb, Caleb has squirrelitis. He's a squirrel. That's it. He forgets everything he was supposed to be doing. He sees a bird. He forgets everything he's supposed to be doing. That's okay. God has gifted him in other ways. But, but God says, I'm going to do this. He's going to do it. You can bank on what God says he's going to do. He's his unchanging purpose. And it should always bring us certainty. We can always trust, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what people are doing and how they're changing and, and how it so seems to be so messed up, God does not change. And in all this uncertainty, God's unchanging immutability should bring us peace. It actually brings us certainty. Now, I, I want to look back at Isaiah 13, 9 through 11, to kind of give us a framework of where we're going to go today. We studied this a couple weeks ago, but this is what it says. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising, and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant, and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. See, the the day is coming when God is going to judge the world. He is going to do it. Righteousness will eliminate unrighteousness. Evil will be eliminated. Good will reign. God alone is the God of all nations. He is God of the world. He is king of the world. The decisions that are made are not made. The ultimate decisions are not made in Washington, D.C. They're not made in London, and they're not made in Moscow. The ultimate decisions for this world are made in the throne room of heaven. 
We have no security in this world. The only security we have is God himself. So we've got to put our trust in him. Because we can't trust in man. We can't trust in man's government. We can't trust in man's creation. Even though I truly believe that everything man has created, God inspired. And what usually happens, God inspires and man's corrupt, man corrupts it. That's a fact. We cannot trust in man. We can only trust in God. So we, we cannot avoid this idea of trust. Most people, Some people will say, well, I just won't trust anybody. You can't. You have to trust something. You will either trust in God or your trust in your own, quote, better plans. I know better than God does about my life. That's what we'll say. Sometimes when the arrogant, and many times those are people who are sitting in a church who claim to be believers, when they reject God's plan, what they attempt to do, they're attempting to raise themselves above God. And you think about that, when, when Adam and Eve are in the garden, and, and Satan tells them, oh, you, if you do this, you'll be like God. That's bad enough to want to put myself on an even level with God. But when I ignore God and God's plans and what God is doing and what God wants me to do in my life, when I do that, I am putting myself above God. Or trying to. At least in my mind, I try to put myself above God. I want to rule my own life. And we know from last week that the fate of those who are arrogant and do that is clear, very clear. They will spend eternity with worms and maggots. That's what it says. We talked about it last week. So here's the question that I was thinking about as I was reading through, as I was reading through Isaiah. And as I was thinking about these verses and thinking about the uncertainty of the world and the, the immutability of God, I was thinking, you know, is, is on, on the day of the Lord, is there any hope for us? Can, can, we, can we really trust God's promises? Can we trust His salvation? Now, the book of Isaiah is God's word. We, we, we know that. And the, and the book was given to us. We, you and I can read Isaiah because God wants us to know what it says. It's not just some history book with a bunch of stories in it. It is actually the very word of God. It's what he wants us to know. It's there for our benefit. So how are we to respond to it? What has happened is Isaiah has moved when he was talking about the fear of the, of the, the day of the Lord and he, he moves from this cosmic idea of the day of the Lord in chapter 13 and now he starts in 14. Yes, last week we saw he got a little more specific. He's talking about, he's talking about the king of Assyria. or I mean of Babylon. He Babylon. And we see that correlation we saw last week, the correlation between what was going on with that king and what, and what actually we can see in the shadow of what happened to Satan, why he rebelled the way he did. But we see this movement now to more of a kind of a, a, a specific reason for the day of the Lord. 
And the specific way, reason why we can trust God, that God is going to take care of it, that God's plan is going to work out, that God's plan has always been working and will continue to work. How can we know this? And this is what we're going to see today. Because what's going to happen is God is going to destroy two of the greatest nations up until that time. When everybody thought, it's never going to happen. Assyria will never be destroyed. It's too big. Well, then Babylon came along. We talked about this again last week. Babylon came along. Well, then Babylon got destroyed. Greece came along. Greece got destroyed. Rome came along. Rome got destroyed. We come along. What's going to happen to us? We're going to get destroyed, ultimately. I don't know how it's going to happen, but ultimately, the United States will be no more. We're going to see that we can be assured that God is reigning on this uncertain earth. And as we, as we look at the uncertainty around us, we need to keep in mind of the certainty of Christ, of certainty of God and what he's doing. He's going to accomplish his unchanging purpose of salvation through judgment. Because God's plans are unstoppable. His grace is invincible. Judgment and, and, and redemption are part of God's plan. And you and I can stand firm in this foundation that our redemption through His love, through Jesus Christ, is available to us. Yes, we may go through some very difficult times, and I don't think we've hit the worst of them yet. But I also know that it's through those times that God is working. When we're struggling, when we're hurting, that's when God is working. He has a purpose for his judgment. Look at Isaiah 14, starting with verse 24. It says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be, and as I have proposed, so shall it stand that I will break the Assyrian in my land and on the mountains trample him underfoot and his yoke shall depart from them and his burden from their shoulder. You've you got to realize, remember that Isaiah is writing this at a time when Assyria is a world power. Assyria is the superpower. They have all the chariots. They have all the armor. Nobody can stand against them. They've conquered many nations, enslaved many people, dispersed the people. They would, take, they would come in and, and take over a country, and then they would take those people and disperse them throughout the nation so that they couldn't get back together with close people that they knew, so they couldn't rebel. But see, their power was given to them by God. And one day, God was going to Remove it once they had served his purpose. Their day of judgment was going to come. But if you notice what happens in verse 24, this is what's interesting. What, God, what does God say? He says, the Lord host of hosts has sworn. God has made an oath. He has sworn. He's the commander of the armies of heaven. He's made a vow. He's made a promise. And his, his promises are going to come to fruition. See, when you and I make a vow or when we swear, like when we're in court, and, and you place your hand, your right hand on the Bible, you raise your right hand, you put your left hand on the Bible, you say, I, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. What are you doing when you say that? 
You're saying that I'm going to tell the truth. And if I lie, God, who is the highest power, is going to punish me. That's what you're saying. But who can God swear on? There's nobody higher than him. So he swears on himself. That's what he does. But see, he doesn't have to make a solemn oath. He doesn't have to promise. Why? Because he's God. He's going to do it because of who he is. So why does he do this? Why does it say here that he's being sworn, that he's proposed, that he's made a promise that this is going to happen? He does it for our benefit. He does it to confirm his word for our sake. Because his word is true. And in the process of doing that, he's showing us how serious he is. I have sworn. I have proposed. This is going to happen. He's deadly serious. Don't we do that with our kids sometimes? Don't do that anymore or this is going to happen to you. I mean, we don't say, hey, don't do that anymore. You're going to get a spanking. You know, we don't. We're not lackadaisical about it. We're not sing-song about it. It's stop it now. Or I'm going to tan your hide. Or with my kids, stop it now. I'm going to take those Legos away. You're not going to have your bike for a month. Or whatever I'm going to, punishment they're going to get. Or worse than that. I keep, I don't know about you guys, but I keep telling my kids all the things my mother did to me when I did something wrong. I said, you're lucky. I said, when I mouthed off to my mom, I got my mouth smacked and I got soap in my mouth. They just look at me like, you know. But see, it's a serious thing. God is deadly serious about what he has promised to happen. And he's telling us these things so we can know and we can be assured. He's going, I'm going to do this. You can trust me. And if we can trust him here, his word is true. And because of who he is, we can trust him for everything. His plan is going to work out. This is, look what he says in verse 26. He says, this is the purpose that is proposed concerning the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. He has, he has now switched from talking about Assyria. Now God is saying the whole earth, all nations. For the Lord of hosts has proposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out. And who will turn it back? What God has planned was going to happen. There's no other way for things to work out. There's no plan B. This is it. God's will is always done. Ultimately, his will always wins out. Which really makes you wonder, what's going on in Satan's head? That he thinks that he can thwart the plans of God. And the reality is, God uses him. He's a patsy, really, which is kind of interesting. He's a patsy. God uses everything he does to fulfill God's plan. You know, when you, with kids, how many times did you have to tell your kids to do something? Once? Three times? Four times? How many times did you tell them to clean their room, pick up their clothes, wash their hands, do their homework? But see, in these four verses, God repeats himself. Why? Because we're children of God, and we don't always get it the first time. He knows we need to be told numerous times 
And even then, we still may not get it. He says in verse 24 and 25, he says that he has planned and proposed. In 26 through 27, it says he has proposed twice. Twice. He's, he's planning and proposing these things to happen twice in verses 26 and 27. And God has an unchanging purpose for the whole world. It will not be changed. No matter what we do or what the spiritual forces of darkness do, God's plan is still going to work out. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? If we keep this idea in perspective that no matter what happens in our lives, that God is working out a plan, an ultimate plan. I'm not talking about, you know, people say, you know, God has a plan for your life. Yeah, he does have a plan for your life. His plan for your life is that you worship him and that you go and make disciples of all nations. And whatever you're doing, whatever he lays it on your heart as far as your profession to do, he wants you to honor him. Do work as if you're working for the Lord, as Paul says. But God has this even bigger plan for time and where the earth is going, where the world is going. And if we know that, and we see all these crazy things happening in the middle, uh, you know, if I know that God has a plan that's being worked out, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what craziness is going on, either caused by me or caused by somebody else, I can have less anxiety knowing that God has it under control. I may not like what he does. I may not agree with he, what he does. It doesn't matter because I can't annul it. What I can do is listen and know what my part in that plan is. And we all know what that is, my plan. My part in that plan is to go and make disciples of all nations. I don't need to have anxiety about what's going on in the world. And that's tough because there's... That's all that they, the news media, that's all that they feed you today is anxiety. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, an avid, I'm an avid partaker of all kinds of media, all kinds of news in different, from different places. But there's sometimes I just get tired of it. I can't watch it anymore. I just have to put it aside. And then I start watching it again. It just reaffirms the fact that you guys, it's so funny because I think you guys think you're in control. You're not in control of anything. God is in control. God is sovereign over all nations. We've seen this in the past, and we can be assured that we're going to see it into the future. Behind all the drama of this world today, God's plan and purpose for the world is being played out. See, we've got to remember that history is not defined by what governments and people do. It's not defined by what they've done. And our future is not defined by what governments and people do. Our, our past, our present, and our future is defined by what God is doing to work out his plan. Past, present, and future. And that plan is being developed. It was developed in eternity past. It's being worked out in the present, perfectly in the present, and it will come to completion in the future. And notice, not only does God have a plan, but God's hand is outstretched doing it, working it. Our God, God created the world out of nothing. And what he does, he continues to uphold the world 
in his hands. He didn't just, you know, he didn't just like spin the world and then walk away and, okay, let's see what they do. Let's watch and see what happens. He didn't tell the heavenly host, watch, like watching a soap opera. Let's just watch this. Let's see what they do with this. That's not what God does. God gets involved. He's, he's got his hands like a potter, you know, working clay. A potter doesn't just grab a, a clump of clay, throw it on this, the wheel, and just say, okay, go ahead and start spinning, do your thing, and become a pot. No, he, he gets his hands wet, and then he starts spinning the wheel, and he starts molding it and moving it and, and adjusting it. And guess what he ultimately does to it? He fires it. He heats it to solidify it. That's what God's doing. God is working in the world. He's a potter who gets his hands in there. He's actively involved in a moment-by-moment basis. I know some people are saying, well, yeah, but what about... What about, what about mass shootings? What about abortion? God allows us to make choices. He doesn't. He, we're not robots that He pushes around. He lo- He allows us to stumble. He allows us to fall as people and as a nation. But He's always waiting there, saying, I'm, "You're not doing the right thing, and you will pay the price, just like every nation has in the past, if you don't stop it. You too will sleep with the maggots and the worms." See, we we must understand, when God created the world, he created it exactly the way he wanted it. People say, well, why did he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden? That's what he wanted to do. That was his plan. And if if he created it that way, guess what? The world is going to turn out exactly the way he wants it. The future world to come. He's working out through this, through this world we live in today, he's working it out. Why? He's calling for himself a people to be in that perfect world that is coming. God is actively governing this world. This is what it says in Psalm 33. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Are you frustrated with our government? Are, are you frustrated with the governments of the world? Are you frustrated with our previous administration or five administrations ago? I'll be honest with you. We're going to be because those administrations aren't listening to God. So God frustrates them. And in the process, he frustrates us. But that's okay. Because why? God is still in control. He places kings in place. Like I said, I don't always like what he does, and I don't understand what he does. But God is God. I am not. It's what Job finally figured out. You know, you go through the whole book of Job, you finally figure out God says, were you there? Were you there when I formed everything? What right do you have to question me, basically? I'm God. 
you're not suck it up buttercup, right? This is this is what it is. But we can but that's it's not just that we gotta be miserable, it's that we can find so much joy in what God is doing if we just watch for it and look for it and become part of what God is doing. God is here, directly involved in our world if we just open our eyes and see it. God's plan is not this ideal that he hopes will ultimately come out and work out and pan out. That's not what it is. His very hand is inside working the plan. Proverbs 19, I love this. I love this proverb. It says, many are the plans in the mind of man. Boy, I've had plans in my life. I never planned to be a pastor. Ever. Never in my life would I thought I would be a pastor. And look where I'm doing. Many are the plans in the minds of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. I can plan and I can plan and I plan, but it's God's purpose that's going to stand. God is sincere that it is his good purpose. His ultimately good purpose is going to prevail. So when we see all the evil, all the wickedness going on around us, we have to we can sit and say, God's good purpose is going to prevail. We don't have to be worried about it. It doesn't mean we don't do something about it if he places us in that position where we can. If I'm an elected official to Congress or to the state and, God's, and God put me there, I have to do what God wants me to do. I have to put, put his purpose, help put his purpose into, into, into play. But I better make darn sure I know what that is. And I better stay true to him and listen to him. Because I have to understand, we all have to remember, think about this. God's final plan is not judgment. We always talk about judgment, and we need to, because judgment gets us where we need to be when we think about it. God's judge, God, judge, God judging the world is not his final plan. His final plan is salvation. And that salvation comes through judgment. The beauty is, is that you and I have this wonderful gift that we've been given. That's the cross. Because now that Jesus took our judgment, we don't have to. We're going to experience it. We're going to experience it around us. But we have no judgment to worry about if you're a believer. See, God is glorified by, by, by upholding perfect justice. That's what these verses are talking about. God, for the whole world, God has a purpose. His purpose is ultimately for justice to prevail, sin to be destroyed, evil to be punished. God's going to uphold perfect justice because you and I can't because we are imperfect humans. One of the arguments that people have against Christianity today is that, you know, there's so much suffering in the world. You know, God, how could there be a God if there's so much suffering in the world and, and, and evil and, and injustice and if this was the only world there was, that would make perfect sense and they'd have every right to question God. But this isn't the only world there is. There's a world to come. that we have, we have, But we have to walk through this world full of injustice, full of evil, full of sin. We have to walk through it to get to the perfect world that's coming. Time is coming when justice is going to be served and every individual will be brought to account. And either you will pay for your sins 
by eternal separation from God or you will rest in the fact that Jesus Christ already paid the price for your sins. It's only possibility. If you look in Revelation, what does it say? God separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep go on into the new heaven and new earth, good and faithful servants. The goats, they're away from me. I never knew you. Because you never knew me. A day of reckoning is coming, followed by a new world for eternity. And how do we know that it's true? Because the nation of Assyria is no more. You cannot go to the, to the capital of Assyria, Nineveh, and see all these wonderful things that they did. There is no country of Assyria anymore. There's no Nineveh. They, there's places they think that they might... That's where it probably was. There's no Babylon anymore. Well, Saddam Hussein rebuilt Babylon, but it's, it's just a guess as to where it was. They are no more. What God has said will happen has happened. No nation can survive by thumbing its nose at God. It will not. Why? Because God's purpose is going to happen. Assyria couldn't survive. Babylon couldn't survive. Greece failed. Rome failed. And, and woe to us because as a nation, we too are going to fail. We are. One day, we will fall unless, as a nation, we put our trust in, in God and in Christ and get in line with God's plan. God's purpose is not only to judge the world, but to redeem a people for himself out of the world. Look what it says in verse 28. In the year that King Ahaz died, came this oracle. Rejoice not, O Philistia, all of you. He's telling them, don't rejoice because Assyria is gone. Don't rejoice because I'm destroying Assyria. Don't, don't think because I'm destroying Assyria that now, you know, happy days are here again. No, because you also are going to come under judgment. That the rod that struck you is broken, for from the serpent's root will come forth an adder, and its fruit will be a flying, fiery serpent. And the firstborn of the poor will graze, and the needy lie down in safety. But I will kill your root with famine, and your remnant it will slay. Wail, O gate, cry out, O city, melt in fear, O Philistia. All of you, for smoke comes out of the north, and there is no straggler in his ranks. What will one answer for the answer the messenger of the nation? The Lord has founded Zion, and in her the afflicted of his people find refuge. See, even though God has promised that he is going to judge the nations, he's going to judge them all, his people will always be tempted to either trust those nations or trust God. That's what Israel's problem was. They trusted the other nations instead of trusting God. All these alliances that Israel is going to, to put in place are going to come to nothing. You think about that. All this money that we've sent to Ukraine will come to nothing. Why? Because God's purpose. All these weapons that we've sent to Ukraine. I'm not talking about the, the, the helping those that are hurt by all this. 
We need to do that. I'm not saying anything about that. What I'm talking about is the billions of dollars that our federal government has sent to buy weapons for the Ukrainians. It's going to come to nothing because God's purpose will prevail. Don't trust don't trust in money. Don't trust in weapons. Trust in God. All these alliances, are, it's foolish in light of God and what he's going to do to the nations. And this is what Isaiah is trying to show Israel and what he's trying to show us today. God is calling us to look past our little world that we've made for ourselves and look to the one who made it and who made us. He's calling us to stop putting our hope in this world. Stop putting your hope in the things of this world. They're going to fail you. People are going to fail you. If we would just turn to God with glad expectation, we would finally see that He's enough. He's all we need. We need to reject anything that's incompatible with God. Those idolatrous altars of our hearts. The Israelites were always seeking after other gods and mixing it in with, with, their, with their belief in God. You can't. You can't mix them. We can't take the things of this world and, and mix it with the church. We can't take paganism and mix it with the church. We can't take the sins of the world and bring it into the church and say, well, it's fine. God ordained it. God, God, God sanctifies it. God is calling us to live a different life. We need to reject those things. We need to suffer the loss of those things, and we need to gain Christ. And when we have Christ, we'll be too happy to care about all those stupid things that we lost. Reject yourself and embrace Christ as your offering that is acceptable to God. He's worth it. More than anything we might lose. So will you put your trust in God's sovereignty and His justice, or are you going to place your trust in this world that is dying and will ultimately be judged? See, God's purpose is salvation through Christ, who took all our sins and judgment on the cross. He paid the price that you and I are going to have to pay. He paid it. It's done. And by trusting Him for our salvation, we don't have to pay it. We can stand in the surrounding uproar of the world gone mad, and we can stand and be on stable ground and declare Jesus Christ as Lord without anxiety, without fear. In this world that is unstable, we can be stable. What God has promised God will do. We just need to have faith that overcomes the world. This is what John the Apostle wrote in 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What do you, what do you have faith in? you have faith in the world? It's going to fail you going to come to judgment. Have faith in Christ. Faith in God's plan. He's going to work it out with his hand. Watch and see what God's going to do. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. 
If you're watching on YouTube, please like this video as it will help in spreading this message into the global online community. Please consider subscribing to our page so that you will receive notices when we post new messages. If you're watching this on Rumble, please hit the Rumble button for this video so that the gospel can be spread into the What Rumble community. Also, consider subscribing to our Rumble channel. You can also listen to our podcast on Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. We hope you have a blessed day.